You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. We are live. The second of three fight cards for the UFC this week. UFC Jacksonville is officially a wrap, and what a fight card it was, capped off by Glover Teixeira finishing a, a very tough and gritty Anthony Smith in the main event. Hello there, everybody. I am Mike Heck alongside the whole crew here. We have Jose Youngs live from Jacksonville, Mr. Alexander K. Lee. Uh, and E. Casey Lydon. This is the official UFC Jacksonville live virtual post show right here on MMAfighting.com. We're going to get into the fights, all the action in a moment, but we want you guys and gals who are watching right now to get involved with the festivities here. So questions, comments, reactions, you know, fantasy matchmaking ideas coming out of tonight's event. Feel free to leave them in the comments. We'll try to get to as many as we can while we are live. But Jose, I want to start with you. Let's get right into this thing. We'll get into the main event in a moment, but what would be your overall letter grade for the UFC's second event over a five-day span? Ooh, second letter grade, I'll say like B minus, C plus. Uh, it didn't have the like the, the it didn't have the epic feeling of the history making of UFC 249. Uh, of course, there anytime there are a bunch of heavyweight fights that go to a decision, uh, people seem to roll, seem to roll their eyes. Uh, I don't, I didn't mind that. Fight, specifically the Ben Rothwell fight, I really enjoyed. Uh, all in all, it, it was a really good, it was a good fight night, but it wasn't 249. It wasn't, as Dana White called it, a home run. It was a really good follow-up show uh, to the, the history-making 249. So I'll say B minus, C plus. Uh, not phenomenal, but uh, nonetheless, fights happened, and I know people are excited. Alex, we'll go to you. I mean, Jose said it wasn't a home run per day, like like Dana White said after 249. But I would say it was a it was a pretty solid ground rule du- ground rule double, all things <laughs> considered. Would you agree with that sentiment? I might grade it a little bit harsher than the both of you. Uh, I mean, I think the B B B minus is fairly accurate, but I think actually the proximity to 249 hurt it because I think because they were so close together and 249 was so eventful. Uh, the fact that this card was again solid, but nothing. No, I don't know if anything's really going to stand out from this card. Maybe I have to, I will have, you know, when we review it, it'll, something will jump out at me. But it, it, I think it needed that weak gap, that normal gap you have between events to kind of feel special on its own. As it is, uh, I, was, I, was, I don't know, I was telling you guys earlier, I was already feeling a little bit uh, worn down by uh, how many fights there have been in the last four days. But a, a good effort from everyone on the card, for sure. Casey, what was, uh, just off the top of your head, what's the, the biggest thing that stuck out overall with tonight's card compared to UFC 249? Um, it felt like a fight night. <laughs> you, you know, I, I guess it, it just felt like it felt like one of those fight nights that you know what I'm not doing anything this Saturday. I'm just gonna watch this rando fight night. Which, in a sense, this is what it always was. It was just a fight night that was gonna be in Nebraska. I feel, and uh, it's something you know, it was one of those things like if you don't have any plans, you'll stay home and watch. And um, I think uh, the fact that this is a Wednesday night when there really are no weekends anymore right now, or at least uh. For a lot of the world, it feels that way. So, uh, um, I, it felt like a fight night. I, I, I'd even actually, to, t- to be honest, I'd even notice there was no crowd. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, so let's let's talk about how this night ended. Jose, we'll start with you. Glover Teixeira, incredible performance against Anthony Smith. Um, Smith started out well. Momentum of the fight shifted for sure in a big way. Glover had a, a pair of 10-8 rounds in a row before the fight was mercifully stopped in the fifth round. Before we get into the other stuff surrounding the fight, and I think you all know where I'm going with this, let us give credit and props to the 40-year-old Glover Teixeira because that showing was outstanding. Was it not, Jose? 
Oh, it was unbelievable. The exact performance we'll ever need it. I mean, uh, we did the preview show, and uh, it's and even the A side, we talk about like uh, Glover had a, has had a really weird career where he's, he's strung together uh, low key, like a pretty impressive win streak, and no one was really talking about it given the state of the light heavyweight division. Uh, and even like looking back on who he lost to, like he lost to Corey Anderson, which is like no slouch whatsoever, but it just feels like you would expect Glover to win a fight like that. Like, a Glover that showed up tonight would beat Corey Anderson. Uh, I'm not saying he every time, but he would obviously show, put on a better performance than what he displayed uh, in fights that he's lost. So, uh, up and down career uh, in terms since the title fight, but this was a pretty spectacular performance. Uh, uh, the, 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 the lack of fans really made this fight feel intimate, especially because so much of the fight was, was not at range. It was in close proximity, both on the feet and on the canvas so uh, but yeah stellar stellar performance from Glover uh, in, in a fight he really desperately needed to put on uh, uh, the fight the, the performance of a career that he pulled off Alex I, I will admit and I apologize for this I did not read your predictions column today I really oh. wish I did um, I know with watching the fight play out actually my little brother texted me and he said Glover's my boy right now so I assume that he made money off of Glover um, but I didn't expect, I mean, I expected a, a pretty wild fight, but I thought Anthony Smith would come out on the other side here. What say you? Did did this fight go as you thought it would, or were you surprised with the result? Oh, wait, wait, hold on. You didn't read my predictions? Uh, oh, in that case, uh, I went 10 for 10. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I predicted every fight exactly when it would end, which ones would go to a decision, what round the finishes happened in. Don't go back and read it. Uh, I'll just give you the gist of it now. Yeah, it's pretty much I got everything exactly right. Um, no, but actually the main event, I predicted the opposite of what happened. I said, uh, you know, Glover's the older fighter. He's not going to be able to keep up the pace. Uh, I, and so at first I was like, oh, Anthony Smith's pushing the pace. It's super accurate. This is going exactly as I thought it would. But then he's the one who kind of tired out. And uh, Teixeira was patient. He really uses energy well. So uh, I got I got the call actually exactly the opposite. And I said, I said Smith will get the late finish. Then Glover got the late finish. And he looked fantastic. Gazy, it was a big night for the 40-plus community. I mean, good Lord, between Arlovsky, we'll get into that in a moment, and what Glover Teixeira did tonight. I mean, that was a, a, an unbelievable performance. Got the finish in the – it's a guy who doesn't get finished very often. I mean, what, what did you take away from, from that fight and that performance? Uh, all the 40-year-olds or the main event? The main event. Okay. We'll get into all the 40-year-olds in a moment. Well, first, when I, as I was watching, I just realized – I think about eight, go back a little bit, about eight years ago when the UFC had their first card in Brazil, the first pay-per-view, I actually saw Glover fight in Chuto, Brazil on, I think, Friday night. And he fought like at the, um, the what do you call it, uh, Paulo Tiago, the secret police. He fought like there. And like, I remember watching him fight there. And I was like, that guy's old. And, like, and I just think Glover Teixeira is just one of those guys that was just born old. Like he just, like, and, and I'm actually a little bit older than him, which is, I think is insane. And, um, yeah, it was just just a just a veteran like experience when that fight, just veteran toughness, controlling that cardio, just um almost almost a bit of a kind of remind me of Yoel Romero in the sense that he just doesn't waste energy. He just kind of shells up, oops his arm, blocks the shots, and then when it's time to go, he kills. And um, that's what it was. And he finally landed that boop, big uppercut that we thought that we, that thank goodness wasn't an actual eye poke because. That would have been a big shame if that was an eye poke, but luckily it looked like that was a 100% clean shot. And um, just, I'm not, I'm not shocked. I'm just uh, pleasantly surprised. I, I just don't. I just, you know, nothing, nothing surprised me. I mean, I picked Anthony Smith to win, but if Glover was going to win, this is pretty much how he would do it. 
of course, a lot of folks, and I wouldn't say it overshadowed the performance, but a lot of people are talking about Anthony Smith's corner and whether or not they should have called this fight after the fourth round. And I have a ton of respect for Mark Montoya, but when a fighter tells you that his teeth are falling out between the fourth and fifth rounds, I mean, that has to be a telltale sign that your fighter just doesn't have it or, you know, what whatever he had, he, he it's no longer there. So, you know, and, and, and we're, we're speaking from the outside. We're not fighters. We're not coaches. But I think even Daniel Cormier and Paul Felder and everyone involved with that broadcast and everybody on Twitter, fighters included, all felt the same way. Alex, you know, how are you feeling? Probably, you know, probably from the beginning of the fourth round heading into the fifth. How did you feel about the whole situation? Do you believe that this fight should have been stopped before the fifth round started? Uh, well, look, even before we started getting the, you know, should the corner stop the fight? I was amazed that Jason Herzog was letting it go on. You know, uh, I don't know if this was a reaction to, you know, some of the stoppages that happened on Saturday. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I didn't have any issue with uh, the uh, not too much of an issue with the Keith Peterson, Dominic Cruz, Henry Cejudo situation. I know Casey feels differently, but I do wonder if Jason Herzog was a little more cognizant. It is a main event. I know referees have said that sometimes they do kind of referee to context. Uh, you know, maybe they're not su- not supposed to. Maybe they're supposed to stick to a stricter guideline. But definitely when it comes to main events, uh, y- I think you will see some referees allow for a little more leeway when it comes to uh, how much punishment a fighter takes. So. Uh, then we come to the corner and man, I was shocked. I was shocked even before we heard, we clearly heard on the broadcast, Anthony Smith say, I'm losing some teeth. My teeth are falling out. Even before that, we were wondering just in the middle of the round, you know, you got to be able to tell sometimes your guy just doesn't have it. Now, like you said, we're on the outside looking in, uh, we don't understand how these things go. Sometimes I'm seeing a lot of compliments, uh, being tweeted by the UFC social media. Dominic Reyes tweeted Smith Lionheart suits you, you know, and I think, Hearing those kind of things from his peer is obviously going to matter a lot more than from uh, outside critics. Um, but if it were up to me, of course, if I was his corner, I would have said, no, there's, there's just no way. There's no way this guy can go on. It just isn't that that, that Hail Mary finish is not going to happen in the fifth. Yeah, it was just a it was a tough night for Anthony Smith and and Jose. I don't know if you if, if you watch the fight. I know there's a lot going on back there, but Daniel Cormier made an interesting point that. Not having the crowd as cool as it was for us watching on television, we get to hear the echo and stuff, but he feels that was kind of a detriment to Anthony Smith because when you hear your corner shouting out one, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you're just throwing up this energy and the, and the coach and the fighter's going to listen to everything that your coach says, especially a guy like Mark Montoya, especially a guy like James Krause. And Daniel Cormier felt like that kind of drained Anthony Smith's gas tank. What do you think of, of that take from from the former light heavyweight and heavyweight champions. Well, obviously a former champion is going to have a better uh, uh, take on this uh, this scenario than me, but it's hard to say. Uh, I haven't spoken with Anthony, so I I don't want to speak for I don't want to speak for him. I'm saying that's what Brandon, but it, it makes sense. Uh, I could hear like we we could hear Glover and Anthony talk in the fight, like they were against the fence, and Glover Teixeira is literally apologizing to Anthony Smith in the middle of the fight. He's saying, I'm sorry, it's part of the job. And Anthony Smith is like, yeah, it is what it is, man. So it's like, I'm sure the lack of fans played a factor to the point where his opponent is literally apologizing in the middle of the fight. But I do want to speak on what uh, you asked, AK. We, we just, and with that, I got to go because Dana Wade is here. So I'll give you my opinion later. <laughs> you're ditching, you're ditching one bald man for uh, a much more rich and powerful bald man. I see, I see how it is. Jose. Uh, I'll carry on from Vir- there because I wanted to identical. bring up. 
I wanted ahead, to sir. bring up uh, one of the last times we had one of these corner stoppage controversies. Well, even well, there was a Thomas Gifford one, which also involved actually, I believe this uh, some some people from this team, from Anthony Smith's team. Uh, but before that, there was the Raquel Pennington. Uh, Amanda Nunez fight it was a, a Raquel Pennington Amanda Nunez one yeah where uh, she, you know obviously her corner didn't she didn't want them to throw in the towel and when she was interviewed after she said I stand by it she said I, I would just would not have wanted my my corner to do that even even having had a chance to kind of review what happened having a few days to you know look back on her performance and, and what happened to that fight she still said no I I would not have wanted them to do it so I have a feeling we will hear the same thing from Anthony Smith now does that make it right does it make it wrong that's a whole other discussion but I, I think when uh, you know when it, when we hear comments from the corner and from Matthew Smith, they're going to be on the same page as far as how this one turned out. Uh, some some news here: uh, the performance bonuses have been awarded. Fight of the night goes to Brian Kelleher Team versus Crystal. Hunter Azure, Team and then uh, Drew Dober and Glover Teixeira get the uh, performance of the night's bonuses. I'm surprised Kelleher didn't get the clean sweep here. Wow. What? <laughs> Hold on. Well, hold on. I liked the I liked the Ricky Simone Ray Borg fight. I thought that I mean Brian Kelleher and Hunter Azure were also good. Is it possible that the crystals made the difference? No. <laughs> no. No. Uh, because you know what? I'm only doing this because I have to be impartial and Jose isn't here to do it. Uh, the, the everyone knows Jose and Team Crystal. Okay, look, they feel they're responsible for for helping some of these fighters to success. Brian Kelleher last time was boosted from the preliminary card to the main card. He th- he he thought it was the Crystal Energy, and now he gets a fight of the night bonus and a huge knockout of of Hunter Azure. So I don't believe in it. I'm telling you guys not to believe in it. But just speaking objectively, Brian Kelleher likes crystals. He's had some good fortune lately. That's let's leave it at that. I was waiting for it. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Um, I, 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 all, I, get one, I get one a show. I get one, one a show. Oh, I, I love that. More. First of all, I, I appreciate Oscar Willis jumping in at different points to, to make faces and, and go over Jose's shoulder, whether on the left or the right side. But, uh, you know, we talk about matchmaking after these events. And I know I saw a comment on the screen earlier. Dan D, I think his name was. If I got it wrong, I, I apologize. But Glover Teixeira versus Tiago Santos was uh, – was his suggestion. So what do you think about that, uh, Casey? Glover versus Santos. What, what win streak is Glover on? It's, 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 very, it's very sneaky. It's four now. Yeah. I said, you know what? That's one of those fights is you kinda, you're kind of surprised. Oh, well, I guess they've been in different weight classes for so long. I'm kind of surprised they've never fought, but why not? Now, the thing is, for the UFC, is, would they give Glover – would they ever give Glover a title shot? Do you think, like, no matter what he does, or is he, or is he one of those guys that would just, would just keep knocking out contenders rather, or a title shot? Do you think the UFC will, or rather, will John Jones and the UFC ever accept a rematch of Glover? And I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking the sporting sense. I'm only talking in the money sense. Because I would th- say that does make sense, Glover versus Santos. But if Glover does win, he knocks out another potential rematch for uh, John Jones. That's the only reason I'm asking. Yeah, I, I would say it's pro- he's probably going to have to put himself in a position where there is just no other option. Like he's going to have to extend that streak to like six or seven, keep finishing guys. Like he fights Tiago Santos and finishes him and then fights, you know, another guy that uh, a Reyes or a Blahovich or something like that, which he'll probably end up facing one of those two guys at some point anyways. Then I think he, there's no choice. I mean, that's just kind of where it is right now. He can't move back. He can't be fighting guys like 
like Rake, like Rakic and Johnny Walker and, and and those guys. He needs to be fighting guys that are right there, like guys who just fought for the belt over the last couple of years. Like these are the fights that that need to be made right now after a win like that. So that's kind of how I put how I feel. Uh, AK, what do you think about that? You, you agree with me, or do you have a another take on this? Well, I mean, uh, well, before we were asking about his win streak, if you ignore uh, John, jo- if you consider John Jones's win streak to have been snapped by the no contest with Daniel Cormier, uh, then Grover, Glover, I call him Grover, Glover <laughs> is now tied. Glover is now tied with uh, Magomed Ankalaev and Ryan Spann, actually, at four straight wins for the lo- longest UFC light heavyweight win streak. So it, it, it's getting hard to deny him. Uh, when will the, uh, my opinion would be that he has to just and stay ready for a short notice call. That feels like the best situation uh, for him to get a title shot. They definitely will not be going out of their way to try and book that. A fight with uh, with Tiago Santos would be cool. I've been lobbying for Dominic Reyes, Tiago Santos, but I don't know if uh, Reyes feels that he needs to take that fight. And you mentioned kind of the same problem. Either way, we're knocking contenders out of the picture if if uh, you know if someone wins. So I don't know how you could either do that. But I don't think a Teixeira title shot is out of the question. As I mentioned, he has one of the longest lead heavyweight winning streaks. He's a veteran. He's somewhat of a name. Um, and I think there's enough distance between the first Jones fight and when and if they ever fight again that it wouldn't be like out of the question to be able to sell it at least a little bit. Danny D agrees uh, with your sentiment, Alex, that uh, Borg versus Simone should have been the fight of the night. Uh, I think a lot of people might agree with that as well. But uh, if you missed it, Kelleher versus Azure was the fight of the night tonight. And then uh, Dober and Teixeira get the uh, performance of the nights. And we're going to get to Dober in a minute. But uh, let's talk about this co-main event in the heavyweight division. We have Ben Rothwell versus Ovin St. Pru. Ovin St. Pru, we talked about weighing in at 240 and a half pounds during the weigh-in show and during the preview show coming up from light heavyweight. And this fight had it all. I mean, both guys are in trouble. Both guys are digging deep. Was it the prettiest fight of all time? Of course not, but it lived up to what the matchup was. Like when this matchup was booked, we were all like, huh, really? (laughs) And then the fight kind of played out exactly like that. Alex, what did you think of uh, big Ben versus OSP in the heavyweight co-main event? Uh, is there ever a pretty Ben Rothwell fight? He has some pretty finishes. Are any of his fights pretty all the way through? I don't know. I think that's what we love about him. I think that's what we love about him, right? He's not the most stylish guy. He's not the most like explosive athlete. You know, he doesn't always look elegant in there, but somehow the guy just gets it done and just keeps getting back in that cage and, and picking up wins. This was uh, this was fight number 50 for him. So, uh, you know, he, he, he always gives you something to see. Uh, it was definitely a uh, an inconsistent fight. You know, there was bouts of explosiveness. There was bouts of, of, of entertainment. Um, and there was moments that were, I think as, as our, uh, Damon Martin described in his recap as a, a little grueling, there were certainly moments that were grueling, but I thought it was a convincing win for Rothwell. The split was a little surprising though. I guess one of the judges gave OSP the second round. There was a late knockdown or, or Rothwell said it was a slip after it looked like a knockdown to me. Um, but otherwise I thought it was a good win for Ben. He's now one, two straight. And for OSP, Maybe just stay at heavyweight. If if this was my first time ever seeing him, I would not have. I would not believe you that he could even make light heavyweight. He looked. He looked really big. Yeah. So I was going to ask you anyways. But so, so so thank you for doing that. But Casey, what do you think about OSP? We're going to get to to Ben Rothwell and the call it after. But uh, what about, do you think he sticks at heavyweight or does he go back to making those? You know, seeing him at two forty point five, he's probably cutting a ton of weight to get into, to 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 get down to the light heavyweight limit. Do you think he just sticks around at heavyweight at this point? Yeah, I I think heavyweight is where he should be. Um, I feel like he's a, he's one of those he's one of those fighters that he doesn't really he's he's somebody that doesn't take a lot of damage during fights. So I feel like he can kind of fight often, maybe four times a year. No weight cuts. Uh, he, he looked he looked pretty durable, and like I said, he looked like a heavyweight. He just I think lost. I mean, it was it was 
I mean, I think I'm looking at MMA decisions. I scored it for Rothwell. Uh, it looks like it looks like about 18 out of 20 um, journalists also scored it for Rothwell. So pretty vast majority, but it was obviously a competitive fight. And you know, this is his first fight, and and maybe uh, OSP's next fight can be against one of those smaller, uh, smaller, uh, smaller heavyweights. You know, so uh, so maybe he'll actually have the size advantage. But I mean, but he went against a, a giant of a man to, for your first heavyweight fight, and it seemed to uh, seemed to kind of affect him toward the toward the fight. You know, he was really laboring, breathing hard, but somehow, man, OSP like even though he, like from 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 his striking, he only hits you from the left side. And you know he's only a threat from the left side, and he was still doing damage. And like I, somehow he, there's something about OSP's um, footwork that still is giving everyone trouble. And um, yeah, I, ho- I hope he stays a heavyweight. It's fun. Yeah, Casey, you mentioned him. Uh, he should fight a smaller heavyweight. I, I think we we mentioned this a few times, but uh, he came in at 240, which was of the six heavyweights on the card, he was heavier than than three of them. So there are definitely smaller heavyweights out there for him to fight on this card, even after the win which you just knew that fight was going to go to a split decision. You just knew it, <laughs> just based on the formula here. But Ben Rothwell calls out Alexi Olenek, who screws up my on-to-the-next-one plans to have Olenek face Jarzinho <laughs> Rosenstrike after UFC 249. But I do not hate that matchup at all. Alex, your thoughts of the idea of Ezekiel Choke versus the Go-Go sometime in 2020? And again, just that amount of experience. I mean, when we saw Verdum and, and Olenek step in there, we were like, oh, this is two guys with a lot of fights. Now you now you throw in Rothwell and Olenek? I mean, this is kind of what the heavyweight division is, I think, at this stage, the UFC heavyweight division um, in the in sort of in the mid-tier, not quite near the top five and not quite near the bottom 20 you know uh it's these veteran guys these veteran guys who put on weirdly entertaining fights uh and again sometimes inconsistent i think olenic um verdun was very much the same way there was some excitement with the way olenic fought him and then there was also moments of oh my gosh nothing's happening uh so i think olenic roth was a very logical matchup um i thought your your jair zinho uh, suggestion was good as well but uh yeah if the if the ufc did decide to listen to big ben and say yeah okay two veteran guys two guys with some interesting stand-up and also with some good grappling throw them in there let's let's keep this uh, unofficial uh, legends division going you know what's interesting talking about the weight is that alexi olenic weighed in like 15 pounds lighter close to it than osp yeah. did casey you but you got to be loving the idea of rothwell <laughs> versus olenic that seems like right up your alley as long as as long as long as the ufc ufc shows rothwell's walkout I, I gotta say i was a bit upset we were at, we went to commercial break so we didn't have you know Rothwell walking out in an empty arena. I, I was hoping he'll walk out the empty arena and have his cloak on, like no music, just like boom, just that so you hear his footsteps. And he just does like a night. Oh, hey, Rubella, a dog. <laughs> 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 Dogs are sleepy. I'm annoying him. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to see. Um, I w- hopefully uh, the war gets a little bit normal and we can actually have more of a, a build up, not just kind of like let's just throw this fight on, let's just see if it happens, you know. I would love to. Yeah, I think Olenek Rothwell is a very entertaining fight, and it sounds like a great co-main event for um, any future fight night. In case you are joining us right now, this is the UFC Jacksonville Live virtual post show on MMAfighting.com. Mike Heck here being joined by Alex K. Lee, E. Casey Lydon, and Jose Youngs will be popping in and out from Jacksonville. He's listening to Dana White, who is at uh, his post-fight press conference right now, so he probably doesn't even hear what we're saying right now. But uh, interesting tidbit thus far from Dana at the presser, the uh, – the May 23rd event, which was scheduled to take place next Saturday, which reportedly is going to be headlined by Tyron Woodley versus Gilbert Burns, is officially moved to May 30th. Uh, so that is not happening next Saturday as planned. It's going to go the following Saturday, May 30th. 
Um, and he also said that if it's not in Vegas, it's going to be somewhere else. So May 30th will be the new day for that card. So I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Uh, from what I understand, Gilbert Burns and Tyron Windley haven't even signed contracts for that fight yet. I feel like, I believe it's verbally agreed to, but the last I checked, Penn has not gone to paper. And I think this is probably why. And another interesting thing on the broadcast before we get back to the fights was they did a little promo for Nunez and Spencer for that UFC 250 fight. And then they... They put up the graphic and they said location TBD, but they also said date TBD. So that one is slated for June 6th, but we don't even know if it's going to happen June 6th or the 13th or whatnot. So things are going to get wild over the next few weeks, are they not? They're wild right I mean, now. I don't think I don't think we need to wait. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I mean, I just Jeez, I just yeah. I just think that's I don't even know what to say. Like, you know, we have supposedly the highest level athletes in the world, the toughest fighters in the world. And we're like, hey, guys, uh, in two weeks somewhere-ish and show up. And, um, yeah, pay your 60 bucks. <laughs> it's just, it's a, There you go. It's a new world. It's a new world. Look, right. there's, there's nothing normal about MMA. We know this. We all know this. Uh, and that's why we love it. That's one of the reasons why we love it. There's nothing normal about it. So anyone who was thinking that the UFC coming back – was a return to normalcy? No, guys. UFC coming back is a return to chaos. Okay, <laughs> the chaos that we all know and love that is produced by MMA and the biggest MMA promotion in the world. So this is what you wanted, guys. This is what you wanted. This is what you asked for. This is what what, what we have to deal with. This is the stuff that uh, you know we love covering for better for worse, warts and all. Uh, uh, fights booked on May, on dates, uh, events just completely being moved around. This is the life we chose. So uh, well, I hope you guys enjoy the chaos being back in your lives. Okay. <laughs> And uh, feel free to leave your questions, comments, reactions to tonight's chaos in the comment section. We will uh, we will get to those. Back to the card. How about Drew Dober tonight? Huge win for him in a fight that lived up to all the hype everyone presented on social media. And otherwise, I saw improvements in both guys. Hernandez came out a lot more aggressive than I thought he would be. He landed early, but Dober was eventually able to find his timing. He really started to cut off the cage and land big shots. And Hernandez was... As Jim Ross would say, the legendary Jim Ross was tougher than a $3 stake out there. But Herb Dean made the right call and stopped the fight in the second round. Huge win for Drew Dober, Alex, who is becoming a problem in a loaded lightweight division. Yeah, this is one fight that I actually did predict correctly. I said Dober striking was just a little bit sharper than Hernandez is at this stage in their careers. Uh, Hernandez is not a bad striker, but compared to how well, how good Dober has become in his last like two or three fights, he is a striking game. Like those hands had become so sharp and he's become one of those guys where he's got, he's got that kind of knockout power that doesn't come from him, uh, you know, throwing haymakers or throwing wild. Like he's got this precision, you know, it's, it's that old, uh, that Conor McGregor saying precision beats power and all that. Um, Dober has that precision. He throws good combinations. He's got amazing timing. He just looks so advanced. I think he's uh, what, 30, 31 years old. So he's really kind of just entering his prime as an MMA fighter. And we've got a real contender here. You know, we've, this isn't just a guy who puts on entertaining fights. This is a guy who legitimately, I feel like could be in the top five uh, of the UFC by the end of this year or early next year. Yeah, him and Justin Gaethje could both be in the top five. How about that? Teammates getting after mm. it. But uh, Casey, Dober wants a big fight. He's going to when he wakes up Monday or Tuesday morning, that was the, the the big thing that was said in the broadcast after the fight. He mentioned Paul Felder. I don't think that one happens, but you got to appreciate the shot call by by Mr. Drew Dober. And to me, and maybe I'm just plugging what the heck that drops tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., but it's got to <laughs> be Diego Fajeda rebooking that one from the postponed OKC card. Top 10 
you know, top 10 guy who's on a streak himself. But any fight involving Drew Dober is something people are going to watch. What do you think should be next for for a guy like Drew Dober after that performance tonight? Uh, definitely Ferrer. Ferrer is one that makes uh, makes total sense. Um, why was that fight actually canceled? Was Ferrer not able to make this fight? You know, you'll have to oh. watch. You'll have to watch what the heck tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, so let's well just say done. he was uh, he was unpleasantly well surprised at the booking. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, Dober. Uh, he's he just coming into his own. He just looked great tonight. No, I, I'm not. a. I don't know if he's going to be a top five guy. I, I don't know if he's going to be top ten. But um, he's definitely a an exciting action fighter, a unique personality, a guy with a great smile. What was his walkout song, Alex? Uh, Dober? Yeah. Dober came out. Yeah, the, no, he came out to this is how we do that. Hernandez came out to uh, Common. Uh, Common. Common, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Dober came out to this is how we do it, which was the second best walkout music in the night. Okay, yeah. So, Behind Return of the Mac, of course. <laughs> so, no, I just think um, Dober's just, just a great uh, – just a good – just a, another great fighter for the UFC's – Super deep lightweight roster, and um, yeah, I'm just like Diego Ferrer makes a lot of sense, but heck, you know, Felder is a little too far away. I think Felder wants, I think he's too big, a little bit too big a name right now. I think Felder doesn't want to go that way right now, but um, yeah, Diego Ferrer, let's see it. Yeah, and by the way, Hernandez picked up a W in the walkout battle. The common walkout was better than than this is how we do it. And Ooh. I love this is how we do it as much as the yeah. next guy, but uh, Hernandez won that battle. He didn't win the fight, and. Uh, He's lost two out of three. He got thrust. And this is a big story. He talked about it a lot. He got thrust into the top 15 after the, the Darius knockout in his debut. He's never really had the chance to develop and build his way up the division. And a step back to me makes just a ton of sense. I know he was supposed to fight Omar Morales at the UFC uh, 249 April 18th iteration. And that's no easy fight after we saw um, today by any means. Also, he's mentioned in the past, a desire to to drop to 45, drop to featherweight. So that could be an option as well. So Alex, if you had the uh, proverbial pen here, what do you do with a guy like Alexander Hernandez to try to build him back after dropping two of his last three? Yeah, I hope they don't, you know, do the wrong thing with this guy. Cause look, I, I understand what, like we said, he had that Dariush knockout, and then he looked great against uh, Olivier Aubin-Mercier, another guy who was a kind of a prospect. He, so he kind of won a prospect versus prospect battle, but he should have stayed in that range fighting guys like OAM, right? Uh, but you're, but instead, because of the Dariush win, you know, that a 2-0 star, one of them uh, such a quick knockout, you're right, he got he got thrust into it. He's He's got a great look, great physique. I think if, if you kind of look at if you kind of look at a certain angle, he almost reminds me a little bit of uh, George St. Pierre body-wise, right? And if you're the UFC, you notice that too, and that's the sort of thing you would love to uh, push the top the card which they've kind of tried to do with him unfortunately uh so yes yeah, so the right thing to do definitely have to take a step back don't stage north cut this kid give him some real um uh, give him give him you know knock him down not knock him down a peg but definitely bring down his the matchmaking a notch there's so many good lightweights like casey said it's such a deep division um i would say don't put him with another veteran i mean there's guys like uh armin sarukian that's another prospect i'm just, I'm just looking at names here i can't quite recall uh uh, if anyone was supposed to have a fight coming up, I guess nobody does now. Uh, Davi, Davi Ramos would be a good opponent. Uh, Nazrat Hakbras, who just came off a loss to Dober, um, you know, maybe pair them up. That'd be a good battle. There's a lot of guys around his level who also, you know, need building up that I feel like it doesn't hurt them to throw them in the cage with each other. So, uh, yeah, Hernandez definitely still a prospect, just not quite where Dober is development wise yet, but he could get there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to think back at the Cerrone buildup and that fight and the press conference and how that fight all played out. And, you know, whatever momentum he had just kind of vanished. And he had the the fight with Trinaldo, which 
a lot of people didn't think he even won that fight. He was very confident that he won that fight, but a lot of people don't felt that he got some home cooking there. But, you know, Hernandez, obviously a, a very interesting personality. And I think he, he rubs people the wrong way, especially with the buildup with the, with the Cerrone thing. So I kind of wonder what his career would look like had that fight not can, gotten booked for that Brooklyn card, but it is what it is. And Hernandez has to go back to the drawing board. We talked about Ricky Simone getting back in the win column. That was a great fight with Ray Borg. Big win for Tiago Moises. But how about... Since we were talking about the 40-plus club, how about Andre Olofsky, the ageless pit bull, picking up a win over the very tough and debuting Philippe Lins. Had a lot of hype coming over from World Series of Fighting, a millionaire, or the PFL, excuse mm-hmm. me. Uh, I think a lot of people expected that fight to go down the way it did, but it's nice when a guy like Arlovsky looks to be done. People are kind of writing him off. He's on his way out, and then, boom, he comes back with a huge win. Casey, what did you think of the Pitbull's big win tonight? You know what? I think I was like a lot of people. I'm just kind of ex- expecting Arlovsky just to get knocked out really bad and like build up this upcoming prospect with Lens. We're not really a prospect, but like build him up. And it just isn't happening. But I think every fight we're kind of just waiting for Arlovsky just to get you because you see these images, you know, of when Brett Rogers knocked out Arlovsky, when Fedor knocked out Arlovsky, you know. So we just had that mental image. We've seen him like just that line. No, that's what's like 10 fights in a row. He's like, what? Like, not ten, ten, not ten wins in a row, but like ten. Like think, I think they said like nine straight decisions. So like, okay, the whole thing he ain't got a chin. All right, we're we're that's that's all news. It's just man, like he just he looked in great shape tonight. He's talking about that awesome beard. His quarantine beard was sharp. It's <laughs> like wow. I mean, I, I I get actually I scored the first two rounds just based on the beard. It was just amazing. And um, yeah, he he was able to he was able to handle the speed of Lens, and um, he adjusted and. He uh, smart. He, he won a, a smart, not exciting, but very Arlovsky decision victory, and he's still he's still around. He's still doing it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of guys who uh, looked good physically and performance wise, how about Chase Sherman coming back to the UFC? The Vanilla Gorilla back in the octagon, back in the UFC winner's circle, and apparently back on Twitter as well. It's a it was a nice <laughs> surprise to see Chase Sherman back on Twitter. One of the one of the best. <laughs> One of the best Twitter follows uh, in MMA for a long time. He's back. He had a nice win over Ike Villanueva, finished the fight in the second round. And what stuck out to me was Sherman comes out. He was very methodical early on, but you could tell he was starting to get a little reckless in there. He's starting to get into a dogfight with Villanueva. And at the tail end of that opening round, Villanueva was starting to land. And I thought it was a, a great cornering right there heading into the second round to completely turn the focus back to how that fight began. He comes out in the second round. He picked Villanueva apart, finished the fight. Alex, what did you think of the Vanilla Gorilla's return to the Octagon tonight to, to kick off the festivities? Yeah, uh, former meme lord uh, Chase Sherman <laughs> looked good. Uh, this is, for anyone who doesn't know, this is actually his fourth straight MMA win. His, this was his return to the UFC, his first time fighting in the UFC since uh, September 2018. He was fighting for Island Fights. He won a bare-knuckle FC title uh, last year, or la- later last year, and then he lost it to uh, a fellow UFC veteran, uh, Joy Beltran. But he's been busy. You know, I know a lot of people, I saw some comments like, Chase Sherman, he's still fighting? Or or I thought the UFC cut this guy. And I was like, yeah, they did cut him uh, quite a while back. And now... now 
some fighters, you know, they get cut and they they never find they never really find their footing in the regional scene. They never find a way to develop outside of the UFC. But uh, Chase Sherman did it somehow. You know, I mean, he 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 got good matchups again. Bare knuckle boxing, it's just a, a different flavor. Maybe that sort of revitalized him, uh, just a change of pace thing. And he came back and he looked amazing. He was so accurate. I mean, he was the bigger guy, but he used his size as he should. You know, his 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 striking was on point, and uh, and he looked awesome. And then he had uh, the, maybe the post fight speech of the night. Where when Daniel Cormier asked him, how, how does it feel to get that first UFC win in you know so many years? And he said, you know, have you ever have you ever done a ordered a ten piece chicken wing order and then ended up getting eleven pieces? I mean, that's the way it's it's awesome. That's the best way I can put it. And uh, he did not he did not bless us with a meme in his return to Twitter, but he did uh, did write chicken wangs and a gorilla emoji for himself. So Chase Sherman is definitely back. Yeah, that 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 was the moment I knew he was he was really back. Was uh <laughs> was that coming? One of the nominees for for promo of the year thus far. Oh yeah. Um, I mean it's early, but who knows what the <laughs> hell's gonna happen? But uh, I feel in a way of a game debut. He went in there completely outsized and and did his thing. Took a lot of heavy leg kicks, but kept throwing bombs. And you know him going back down to two hundred five is obviously gonna be the best thing for him uh, moving forward. But you know six days notice to go in there, you finally get your UFC call. He went in there and. And, and did work and and props to both those guys, Chase Sherman back in the win column and back in the UFC. But how about my fellow Baldy, the Crystal Crew member, Brian Boom Kelleher, now $50,000 richer with his fight of the night against Hunter Azure. And what an interesting fight that was because Hunter came out on fire. He was landing a lot of different shots, but you could tell like the momentum was starting to swing in Kelleher's favor in the second round before he landed that just ferocious hook to to put Azure down, and I thought the referee should, probably should have jumped in there a little sooner, but it is what it is. Big win for Brian Kelleher. Thoughts on that, Casey Lydon? You know Brian very well from his many A-side appearances. <laughs> I'm just, um, just because I, I feel like I, I know him, just so just on a personal basis, I'm just happy for him. I don't, I don't know um, Hunter, so I'm like, uh, it sucks for him, but because uh, I know um, Brian, uh, so I'm just happy for him. I think that's two back-to-back bonus. Is that back-to-back bonuses? Yes. Uh, yep. Did he get a bonus? Did he got a bonus last fight too? Yeah, for the Osborne submission. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like, like you say, he started off, started off a little slow, yeah. and then, oh, oh yeah, started off a little oh, slow, back. and um, yeah, he just looked great. And um, I don't really know what's next for Brian. Um, actually, but what I, I think the most interesting part about this is that these are two 35ers that got the fight at 45, and I think that's awesome. And I wish the UFC would do that to almost all their fights. You know, outside of title fights in these special pandemic times where training is more, much more difficult, weight cutting is more dangerous and more difficult. I wish um, UFC would just let all these guys go up a weight class, train harder, don't worry about the weight cut, and fight more exciting. And I think it was a super exciting fight. And like um, DC said, when um, when your chin touches your shoulder, that means you got hit really hard. Yeah, <laughs> Azure's a was a is a legit prospect too. He so. looks really good. Yeah, he looked really good in that fight. His striking vastly improved. Yep. He looked great on the Contender Series. He's getting better and better. So I expect big things out of him. I believe Jose is back with us. Is that uh, is that the sure case? I am, right here. We got, we got, we got, got you, Jose? Right here. Dan He's White here. Left the building. All right. Uh, let's, let's talk about that, Jose. We talked about Dana White confirming the May 23rd card is now May 30th, uh, whether it's in Vegas or somewhere else. But some of the takeaways you're going to watch, you you guys are going to be able to see the whole video on the MMAfighting.com YouTube page uh, sooner rather than later of Dana White's scrum tonight. But what were some of the the big points that stuck out to you? 
Uh, well, first of all, speaking of the main event, he floated the idea of a Reyes Glover to share fight as a number one contender fight, which means I would assume he's mean, leaning towards Jan Blachowicz and the John Jones fight. Uh, he floated it. He obviously says, like, I like that idea, but nothing's official yet. Uh, confirms uh, Gaethje Habib will most likely be in September, uh, not the summer, <laughs> considering what's going on uh, with Habib, uh, with his father specifically. Uh, he, I asked him about the Conor McGregor tweets, and he just goes, Habib's playing Justin. That's the end of it. I don't want to hear any. I don't want to hear any more of it. Uh, interestingly <laughs> enough, uh, I don't know if you noticed, Stephen Espinosa, one of Dana White's best friends, as you know, uh, announced that Bellator and Showtime are going to be running cross-promoted events, so possibly like MMA uh, versus a boxer, or just like MMA and boxing on the same day, similar to how Bellator did those uh, kickboxing and. MMA shows and Tana White laughed. It says, "Good luck to him." Uh, that's 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 not, that's pretty much uh, pretty much it. Uh, thought was was very surprised. Uh, Anthony Smith's corner let him come out for that final round. Uh, Dana White uh, said it, the the crowd was so quiet that he had to it was doing everything in his power not to like scream, stop the fight, because like Dana's words could very easily sway the referee. Or, or one of the judges. So he said that was that was a challenge. Uh, but yeah, I think the big the, the big one uh, the big pull from that is uh, May 30th. He said 100% May 30th, if not Las Vegas, somewhere else. Uh, Reyes Glover is he likes the idea. Habib Justin in September, uh, and then uh, of course he likes uh, Brian Kelleher's uh, performance. He, he made a note of the live betting in the Kelleher fight. Uh, Kelleher got all the way up to like plus 300. Uh, two minutes before the knockdown because of how the fight was going. You can now bet live. And the odds skewed all the way to plus 300 two minutes later. Brian Gallagher gets the knockout. So he won a lot of people, a lot of money. Uh, and made sure, uh, I'm sure you guys have, if you haven't, it's probably on this YouTube channel now, if not sooner, of uh, Brian gave a shout out to his Tiger's Eye that MMA fighting gave him. Uh, so yes, that's two straight uh, bonuses. This wasn't a performance bonus. This was fight of the night bonus uh, for Azure. And uh, Kelly, it's a little bit of a, a bummer for uh, Anthony Smith for taking a beating and not getting a fight of the night bonus. Or even a lot of people online like the Ovenson crew fight. Uh, ben Rothwell was also entertaining as always uh, on the presser. But yeah, uh, lots, of, lots, of, lots of pull from the Daniels uh, press conference. And you have to do Keller versus O'Malley now. Like, you just have to do it. I mean, and the buildup is there. That, it's, it's like Randy Orton. Randy Orton was the legend killer. And then he got to The Undertaker, you know, Kelleher's become the contender series killer. Let's let him we'll, 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 let's we'll let him play Oh, I dip out. I'll right. catch you guys in a second. Oh, so I guess Jose's out of here. He said uh, uh, I guess Glover. Did he say Glo- uh, Glover? Glover's coming up. Um, I wonder if Anthony Smith's coming up. I would assume he probably got transported, but I don't let's know if hope we so. have yeah, yeah. official word on that yet. But um, we, if you guys have comments, questions, throw them in there. I did see one comment that uh, where we? Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, if you want to well, pull that I, out, I, just I, I, I lost it, but oh. let me throw some other ones up here. Well, the fir- before we get to Marco's comment uh, in, in question, it was um, about the the, the the fights without the fans and oh, how yeah, yeah. he's trying to like him because it's really fascinating to hear the corners and you know the fighters being able to hear Cormier and the commentators and stuff like that. But I gotta say, and I'm not trying to be a jerk at all, but I don't miss the fans. I don't. I don't. I mean, there's parts where like I wish the fans are there to like erupt to a to a specific moment, but just being able to like focus on the fights themselves has been kind of refreshing over these last two fight cards. Like we're not hearing the wooing, we're not hearing like a fighter going up for their post fight and getting booed out of the building because they didn't agree with the decision. Like I kind of think this is kind of, this is refreshing in a way, but I know it's going to change. This is just trying to find silver linings in a in a tough situation, but I, I don't really miss it at all. But a, a, anyone uh, disagree with me on that? 
Sorry, Mike. I, I'm in the middle of writing a post about Mike Heck, colon, I don't miss the fans. I hope they never come back. Uh, I think I think this will be our lead story in the morning. So it'll, it'll, lead right, it'll lead right to the, into what the heck. It's going to be good. It's good. Uh, good it's classic MMA here. media right here. Just twist right. my words. I, I, look, the, the, words are, the words are what came out. That's all I'm hey, saying. All right. You said them. It's not my, jo- it's not my job to, to provide context. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, for us, for us watching, for sure, watching from home, it's a, it's a very cool experience. You know, like we said, there's just so much stuff you could hear, even the, the in-fight chatter. There was some like really funny exchanges, um, stuff that was unsettling, like I said, some of the stuff we heard, and then Anthony Smith, uh, Glover to share a fight. So it gives a different look. Um, the, the impact of the hits, you know, definitely uh, on Saturday, the Gaethje Ferguson fight, man, you thought you knew how hard Gaethje hit, then you saw that fight and you heard those punches. It was crazy. So it, it was, it was a different experience. Um, I don't know. If, I wouldn't say it's better. I think I think there definitely is something to the energy that a crowd brings. Um, some of these fights, the crowds would have been going nuts for them. Like we said, uh, the Kelleher fight, the Ray Borg, uh, Ricky Simone fight. So it's different. I don't know if it's better. Uh, and there's certainly aspects of it that I'll that I will miss. Uh, you know, whenever we get the chance to have fans back in arenas again. But uh, watching from home, yeah, it's it's there's a lot of positives to uh, to this different uh, atmosphere. Yes, and that's that's what I meant. Thank you very much for uh, for making me look better there. Uh, Marco's question was thoughts on Smith's coaches, and I think we touched on that earlier. I think we're all in agreement that that fight probably should have been stopped at least heading into the fifth round. But again, this is this is kind of tough with the structure of MMA right now, and I think this has been brought up on many different occasions. And I think this is probably the third time that Mark Montoya and his team have been questioned. Like the Gifford one was one of them. Tonight was another one, and I think Eric Anders. Uh, I think Montoya was cornering Eric Anders when he fought Khalil Roundtree, and Roundtree was just rocking his world uh, for pretty much that entire fight. And he was just getting leg kicked and dropped. He got dropped like four times in the second round. Um, so people people thought that the fight should have been stopped heading into the third. But, you know, we're not fighters and we're not coaches. And the way that pay structure is right now, you know, you got show money and you got win money. When you have that in the mix and you have a chance to double a paycheck and you ask a fighter whether or not they want to stop, they're not going to tell you they want to stop because they if they feel like that Hail Mary is in there to double their money, they're going to go for it. And you can't blame them for that. But, you know, that this is a whole different podcast for another time that, talking about pay structure in MMA. That but, was the problem. Like, you know, that's kind of the way I look at yeah, it. Yeah, like every once in a while you like stop the fight. But then you see Anthony like throw a, you know, a technical hard combo. You know, he wasn't like wobbly. So there was like these moments you're like, oh, you know, there's a chance. But it's just. Because it's like we saw it one time, we saw one comeback one time, and we just we're always kind of just that's kind of what MMA's kind of selling point is one punch changes the fight, one you know, one anything and just turn the fight, you know, the other way around. But, um, yeah, it was just it's very wishful thinking, and um, yeah, it's yeah, it was uh, it was unfortunate, it was unfortunate, and um, and I, lo- I love Jeff, uh, who's the ref? Sorry, Jeff. Herzog? Herzog. Yeah, Herzog. Herzog, yeah. Herzog's actually, Jason Herzog. Jason, yeah, Jeff Herzog, his brother. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Herzog. He's actually a great ref. And um, and he did something. He almost he almost gave too much respect to Anthony Smith, I felt like. And I don't want to say it was the latest stoppage. Much much like um, Keith Peterson, that wasn't the earliest stoppage I've ever seen. Like, this wasn't the latest stoppage, but it was on the later end of um, – because at some point, like you just Anthony Smith, he's not coming back. You're just you were watching. Okay, one more shot, he'll stop the fight, and then he didn't stop the fight. You know, so. But I hope Anthony Smith is okay. I hope this doesn't keep him out too long. Yeah. And I wish he got. I hope he gets some extra money. Yeah, that's a tough yeah. way to make a living. 
Yeah, especially during these times. That fight was rebooked a couple of different times. And, you know, he's coming back from that gnarly handbreak. And then everything that happened with uh, the home break-in and all that stuff. Like, that guy has just been through a lot. Is, uh, I can see Jose Nebraska. on the bottom of my screen asking go to share a question right now. But uh, we can't hear him. You'll be able to oh, see that oh, all oh, later. Oh. <laughs> so, we got um, – oh, he's asking a question. Sorry, Jose is asking. Yeah. Um, so, again, we're – we're probably going to wrap this up pretty shortly yeah. here at this point. But uh, if you guys got other questions, comments, concerns, throw them in there. We'll, we'll try to rapid fire some. Uh, before, while we're waiting, can we mention, can we talk about Tiago Moises? How have we not talked sure. about Tiago Moises yet? Holy crap. That's probably one of the best submissions this year. Um, you know, we talked to him about him facing uh, the mercurial Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson at this point, if anyone you know knows what his career, should just change his nickname to the mercurial Michael Johnson because I just can't write about him or talk about him without using that word. He's just... If you, his resume is just full of so many peaks and valleys, it's crazy. And this fight was almost a microcosm of his whole career. He looked sensational in round one against Moises. He was lighting him up. I mean, he just he just had him backed up the whole time. Moises had no answer on the feet. And then Moises, to his team's credit, right out of the gate in the second round, that I think they told him, "You better shoot in. Don't strike with this guy. Go in." Attacks that leg like a like a Rottweiler. Gets gets uh, Michael Johnson down. I think it was what within twenty five seconds. Uh, gets a submission. Yeah, 25 seconds into the second round, because it gets a uh, what did we say? Achilles heel lock. I know well, heel, they, they announced heel hook, hook, but I yeah, it was some sort of some sort of uh, ankle sure. lock. Yeah, yeah, it gets a submission. So one of the best submissions of the year. But I mean, you just saw it there with Michael Johnson. Looked great one moment. The next moment, uh, you know, it's no shame getting tapped up by Tiago Moises. But again, still it looked like two different fights uh, if you looked at those two rounds. So congratulations, to Tiago Moises. Though uh, he didn't get a bonus, eh? Yeah, he didn't get no. a. <sighs> he should have. I mean, again, but 249 oh, was the same way. I mean, there are so many guys who deserve yeah. Sub bonuses. Submissions, grappling heavy fights, submission heavy submission fights rarely get the um, extra cash from Dana. It's kind of sad. It's, it's a bummer. Because as, as happening in for Crystal Crew, um, Brian Kelleher, I did agree. I thought Ray Borg and Ricky Simone was the highest, the most technical, most highest level fight um, in the in the, uh, the tonight's card. It was like, it was truly mixed martial arts. There was everything, striking, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, Right, takedowns, getting back up. You know, it was just it was a it was a great fight, and uh, and even at the last the last fifteen seconds, they basically did the whole like that's fucking brawl, you know. And they, and <laughs> I'm I'm bummed, and um, it was a great fight. And there no mullet though, no mullet. Yeah, no mullet. But speaking of no crowds, no. how about the fact that we could hear them talk to each other during the fight? <laughs> yeah, this hear what they said. Amazing. Did you hear that one big moment? Like I couldn't make out what they said at first, but I think uh, I uh, believe ESPN MMA yeah, uh, said that it was. Go ahead, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Ray Ray Borg said like, let's go, kid. And um, and some Ricky Simone said, "I'm older than you." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was something like yeah, that. Yeah. I think ESPN MMA said that uh, uh, Ray Borg said, uh, "You look like me." And then oh. uh, Ricky Simone's response was, "No, you look like me. I'm older than you." <laughs> oh, <was that> it? <laughs> I think it was something like something that. Like that but hilarious, just hilariously. But um, yeah, yeah. I, can, I think I'm I think I'm I think I'm speaking with Ricky Simone over the next. 48 hours so i'm really interested to like pick his brain on what actually happened in there some of the things that are actually said in there so uh really looking forward to that as he is back uh back in the wind column after a couple of tough losses to, to rob font and then the uriah Faber fight so um interesting 135 is just so good right now it's just such a good division so uh last oh, call know, for but questions I, oh but i want to say about the michael johnson gun. thing real quick um almost a, a little a little bit of apology i have to make uh, I think it was uh, Keith Peterson was the ref, and uh, right, it was Keith Peterson was the ref. And remember when um, uh, Michael Johnson he almost gave like a little tap, and then he tapped again. 
And so yep. I thought, I was like, oh no, he appears and missed the tap. You don't, you can't miss the tap on a, uh, especially a leg lock like that. That's very dangerous. But then after I saw the replay, I realized that Michael Johnson, this bit of, I think doing a bit of a, uh, you see him in jiu-jitsu tournaments, you know, you kind of get the slight tap. It's like, oh, I wasn't tapping. But then, went, but Keith Peterson, I'm not falling for that. And he had to give the, the hard, real tap. So um, I, so I, initially I was like, oh, that's a horrible stoppage. And I was like, ooh, my bad, my bad. I, Keith Peterson, you good ref. <laughs> and Keith, Keith Peterson's had a had an interesting last five days yeah. for sure. Um, uh, Anthony oh, Smith has been transported, by the way. Yes, and uh, uh, Brett Okamoto from ESPN just tweeted that he spoke to uh, Smith's coach Mark Montoya, and that Mark Montoya said it was not his team, but it was veneers. He has veneers, so shades of uh, Carl Parisian, I think, said that once. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it was a fight with Diego. It was a fight with Diego or Nick Diaz, where he got hit so hard, and you saw this clearly this white thing go flying out of his mouth, and uh, Caro <laughs> said after it was a veneer. I didn't. He didn't knock my tooth out. Come on. <laughs> So uh, Mark Matoy having a similar story here saying it was a veneer. His teeth were not falling out of his head, but uh, we'll see. I guess I, I know we'll learn a lot more about the situation uh, in the coming days. All right. Yeah, Mark is a uh, Mark's a great guy, too. He's a very insightful mind. Um, definitely, if you have the opportunity to, to pick his brain, it is, is definitely worth your time. I'd love to pick his brain about what was going through his head throughout that fight. That's for sure. Maybe we'll try to make that happen here on MMAfighting.com. Do we have any uh, any comments here or should we wrap this no, I think bad we're... boy up? I think we're ready to head out of here. Maybe get back to some more work. <laughs> and, yeah, more work and indeed. Do, and just one more fight this, one more fight card this week. Only one more. I know. We're back at it again on Saturday. Yes. Wild Thanks. Harris versus Alistair Overeem. Thanks, everyone, guys, for like sticking with us, though. I love the fans who are tuning in to all of our content, tuning into these more early morning weigh-ins, late-night post-fight shows. You guys are friggin' awesome. You guys are so crazy. Like, uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Yeah, doing the best we can here. So it's a, it's a chaotic time, and we appreciate it. All the the comments, the nice ones, and the and and the, and the not so nice ones. I don't, I don't, I don't really appreciate those, but you can, Mike. I don't. No. <laughs> but I listen. I listened to you this time. We got right into the fight talk. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mess around and, and ask how Alex was doing tonight. We just went right into the. Nobody cares place. how I'm doing. They never care, Mike. Come on. Yeah, we don't. Even, even if they they did ask, we should say no. We're ignoring that question. Nobody cares. Yes, we just get right into the thing. You know, no foreplay. We're going. Uh, veneers <laughs> aren't easy to knock out, says Gabriel Killian. I don't well, think there you go. I don't think teeth are. Easy I'm not to a veneer guy. Yeah. So I don't know. If you get veneers, you actually lost your teeth long before a yeah. fight. Metro booming. You got facts. We need the horn in. again after that one. That's like legit. <laughs> got late, late night facts coming in. Yes. All right. I am not a dentist nor a, uh, a veneer expert, but all right, that's it. We'll, let's put a ball on this thing. Alex, thank you for the time. Casey, awesome job as always. Jose, just hanging out there. He's uh, scratching his nose right now and not hearing a word I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but thank you all for tuning in. We got virtual media day tomorrow for Saturday's card, so we'll have some videos up on that. Of course, what the heck's going to drop tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time with Shane Burgos, Calvin Cater, and Diego Fajera. And then we'll have a preview show on Friday and the weigh-ins on Friday and then another whole set of fights on Saturday. That main card on Saturday, when they flashed it, it's a pretty darn good main card. Uh, I believe the first fight is Marlon Vera versus Song Yudong at Featherweight, which will be a lot of fun. So, And then we go all the way up to, uh, to we got Gedalia versus Hill. That's a great fight. And then, of course, Wal Harris versus Alistair Overeem will, will cap things off. So for Alex, Jose, and Casey, I am Mike Hack. Make sure you stick around with us for all the post-fight stuff here at MMAfighting.com as we put a bow on UFC Jacksonville. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you Saturday night, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.